0: You're rocking with The Griots. What's a griot? It's a storyteller, a poet,
1: a musician,
0: or a music lover,
1: and a culture key.
0: Celebrating life, love, and soul
1: with ordinary people telling extraordinary stories. Welcome to the show. We're your hosts, Jamil V. and Keith Marcel, and we are
0: The Griots. This is a podcast about purpose-driven parents raising their kids still figuring out how to raise themselves. We share our stories, lessons, and a host of amazing guests with resources that can help you figure this thing out too. What's up? What's up? Rio. We're back. Again. Episode two. Number two. So before we jump into the topic, I feel like let's introduce ourselves to the people. Keith, tell them who you are
1: all right so i'm keith i go by keith marcel woods as well uh i gotta leave off the woods sometimes because my dad he like owns all the google rankings basically <laughs> with all his wealth of knowledge and articles out there so i go by keith marcel um i am many things uh mostly an entrepreneur um i'm a co-founder of a startup called PotPal, which so ironically is a podcast management software And we are currently about to enter our beta phase, which I'm really excited about. So check that out, podpal.com, P-O-D-P-A-L.com. I'm also a creative consultant as well. I help businesses get to that startup point with their web design, SEO, some initial items that they need to launch uh, and be successful in the beginning days. And then I'm also a creative director, and I get a great opportunity to lead a team of really talented individuals and mentor them.
0: Yeah, you're the bomb.
1: (laughs) You're the bomb. Tell us why.
0: And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So um, he mentioned he's a creative director. He actually designed my website. And you can check that out at jillmillbell.com. I'm a life coach. I'm a poet. Yes. I'm an author of a self-care workbook. And I'm a mother of two beautiful little girls who constantly challenge me to be great and to be patient. Um, I am a wife of the most amazing man ever. Shout out to my lover, Lewis, And it's just amazing. So I just feel like this topic of trauma really continues to come up primarily because of the positions that I found myself in as a um, someone who cares about women. Um, one of the businesses I created is Hive Over Matter. It's a storytelling movement that wraps women in art and affirmation so that they can remember to be inspired and to live on purpose. Because as we're trying to be every woman, as we're trying to do all of the things and to try to do it right, it gets really, really hard sometimes to remember that we're already enough and that we're journeying well. I appreciate everyone who is back listening again, but last week gave me so much life. I think your dad is super cool. He's all right. No, he's (laughs) cool. I think he's dope. He
1: is. is. He's, He's been a great inspiration in my life, so I'm thankful for him.
0: Yeah. And he actually dropped a lot of knowledge and he has said something that stuck out to me about the fact that A lot of people, number one, don't realize that they have a story worth telling. And then number two, it's most people don't bother telling their stories because they'd much rather forget. You know, there's a lot of things that people go through that they're just like, you know what? I don't really want to think about that anymore.
1: Yeah. And I I think especially for the culture, that's a hard balance because we want to continue to lift each other up with our best stories. Hmm. But there are stories of the past and hard times that also help shape and define who we are and, and where we're going.
0: As a parent, trying to teach your children our story and also the difference between reality versus what is not real in a way that they can get the good messages out of it without interpreting all of the pain or internalizing that. And it's, it can be challenging.
1: It can. It can. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into that uh, today.
0: Yes, because today we're talking about BTS black traumatic stress
2: so what is trauma let's define this thing we'll start all the way back in ancient greece it was a wound but that's vague okay let's go to cutting edge neuroscience let's see what they say all right dr bruce perry An experience or pattern of experiences that impairs the proper functioning of the person's stress response system, making it more reactive or sensitive. Oh, who likes that one? Me too. It's way clearer, especially for people who understand what those words are. (laughs) What it means is something that makes you not function the way you used to. That's what it means, okay? Now let's go super cutting edge. Who wants to go super cutting edge? Anybody? All right, Dr. Stephen Porges author of the polyvagal theory trauma is a chronic disruption of connectedness and the truth is guys there are many faces of trauma many different types okay so there's tons and this isn't even all of them These are just the big ones developmental attachment intimate partner trauma acute trauma interpersonal trauma chronic trauma physical trauma religious trauma survival trauma early childhood trauma terrorism bullying sexual assault trauma violence trauma grief trauma Disaster trauma, identity trauma, medical trauma, abuse trauma, and many more. So many types, okay? So what is trauma? Right? Everyone has a trauma history. We have to understand what happened. So it's not what's wrong with somebody. What's the pathology? No, what happened? Trauma is any experience of threat, disconnection, isolation, or mobilization that results in a physical or emotional injury that dysregulates the optimal functioning of one's body, emotion, brain, spirit, or health. Mass and NMD, which is not medical doctor.
0: <laughs> so I just really appreciate this definition of trauma. You know, I really also like Dr. Bessel's definition where he says an illness is not being alive in the present moment. That was powerful.
1: Man. That whole clip, I mean, got me shook.
0: I mean, I'm saying, though, just like rest with like that. How often are we not in the present? We're either thinking about the future, what we need to do next, planning for whatever, you know, whatever we're doing, or we're reflecting, regretting, reliving the past. It's just... That hit me, you know, primarily because it just if it also seems really inclusive of the human experience, because I'll be honest, before I really dug into this to level set definitions, when I would think of trauma, I automatically went to a place of like an instance of abuse or death or bodily injury. You know what I mean? Something
1: real strong. right?
0: Yeah. And it reminds me of what your dad said um, last episode, where it's the ordinary experiences that Mm -hmm. really shape our lives. And so if that holds true, then it's also the ordinary experiences that sometimes we overlook or misinterpret or take for granted when it comes to trauma.
1: Yeah. I mean, how many times did you might got embarrassed at work or... Missed a promotion or just took mm. a kid late to school every day. I mean, that's stuff like, that's the ordinary experiences, but they build up over time. They and build then up, right? Builds new habits and new trauma within your life, too. So Absolutely. They, they're both uh, heavy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the other thing, too, is, you know, trauma in and of itself. It's an event that overwhelms the nervous system. So if we're thinking about like how we respond and we react to trauma, it's basically how we process and recall memories. Right. So it's not the story of something that happened back then, but it's actually the current imprint of how you're reliving the pain or the fear that's happening right now. So, for example, you know, if. (laughs) And it's funny because recently I've been saying this and this is why I think that it's so important to be mindful of just your emotions as they're happening, being present without judgment, but just being able to acknowledge a thing. So if I get triggered by, um, you know, someone being over the top religious, then I can acknowledge like, oh, man. That's a trigger for me, <laughs> you know, but it's very different to to acknowledge that and to still be able to hear past the person and hear the message yeah, or hear res- the truth.
1: That's that response. Right. So it's it's about owning your own feelings, but then not trying to own someone else's as well. You know, so, OK, I'm present. I'm going through this. I'm feeling this. Mm-hmm. I'm okay to feel this. I'm entitled to my emotions, but do I need to respond and put those
0: emotions on somebody else? Exactly. Exactly. No, that was good because it's really a paradigm shift. In general, because we think about things um, like their disorders, like it's something wrong Mm -hmm. with you. And I will be the first one to say that I have actually um, an emotion wheel on the refrigerator that I use with Raina every day when she comes home. And I say, tell me about your day, pick an emotion, you know, and there's negative emotion and there's positive emotion. And it's perfectly good and expected and okay to feel the range of them it's not, a great
1: conversation started too right
0: yeah so. yeah because how often does someone say oh I'm i not in a bad I'm in a bad mood and you try to hurry up and talk them out of it like no hold space mm-hmm. let them feel that so that it can move through them um, because one of the things too um, that I thought was really interesting Is that burnout was recently classified as a disorder, right? And so shifting this paradigm from disorder to a response. Because psychology defines a disorder as a pattern, which I thought was really interesting, as a pattern that causes significant distress or impairment of personal functioning, right? But what if the word disorder carries baggage and implies that you're broken,
1: we and, got the word diss in it already, so...
0: Correct, <laughs> correct, <laughs> right? So let's start there. So if you're starting with the paradigm of, oh, I'm broken when I think about trauma, then you're already starting at a deficit. And that's, I feel like, because we are simply having normal responses to jacked up events, you know? And we have to be able to separate those two things and, and hold space for ourselves while we move through this world.
1: So let's, let's go ahead and take it up a notch, right? So... Do you think that work-related stress may be compounded for black people? I absolutely do. Why?
0: (laughs) Um, And I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm coming from the lens and the experience of a black woman. And it is not to discredit or, or say anything about anyone else's experience. It is simply owning my own. Right. And I think that's also important, too. I think that it can be compounded because if you look at just the first layer of stress indicators for the world we live in, we work nine hours a day. So you take an hour lunch, maybe, right? But you're away from your family, nine hours a day at a location, and you have certain bars and expectations, and then you also wrap that around the rec- um, the expectation of what job title, right? The thing that's going to be respectable or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you wrap that around the expectation of education level. Do you have a bachelor's degree? Do you have a master's degree? Which degrees are you going to have, right? Certification, all of the things. And then you wrap that another layer around the the speed at which you have to deliver. So that's the baseline for everybody. And we're moving in this rat race constantly to the point where we don't even have time to be present with our meals. We're moving so fast. Mm -hmm. And then you add the layer of um, blackness to it. Right. Where what that simply means in my mind is that I am hyper conscious of not only my experience as I'm moving through the workplace, but also the experience of my coworkers as they're moving through the workplace. Because if you think about let's go back, you know, to the ancestors. Right. Where a person, a white person would not necessarily be mindful of the experience of their help. But their help had to be hyper vigilant and mindful of their experience, as well as the experience of wh- who they're working for.
1: Yeah, I mean, that whole help mentality still exists. You know, it's, it's somehow made its way, BTS, mm-hmm. all the way to today, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. We're, we're in this weird space where we're navigating for multiple people and it's exhausting, you wake up, I mean, you gotta think about how's my hair look? Does it look too black? <laughs> you know, I gotta think about how does you know, how do I smell? Do I smell like too much cocoa butter? You know, I'm out here, you know, and I'm stereotyping right now. But I mean, <laughs> I I'm wearing cocoa butter I and I have you. dreads and I Always. think about these things all the time. So from from the time we open our eyes, we're we have these these compounding things that we're fighting against. We're fighting against stereotypes. Okay, we're fighting against um Our own egos and just very normal insecurities that everybody has. But I feel like they are compounded, especially in the workplace, because everything is is sensitive. It's like, okay, I got turned over for this job. I mean, for this position, I didn't get it. But then who's my candidates? And one of the factors is the color of my skin, you know, and we go there because of that response to the stress before we go to our resume. You know, like Mm. we will go there first sometimes, you know, and be like. Like what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Is this a race thing? But it's so hard to tell, right?
0: I think I think what what happens too is when you have certain experiences that compound over time, Mm -hmm. you begin to reference them, right? So I was on the phone with a friend. Um, I think it was like yesterday or the day before, and he's an engineer. Like he is a master's level engineer brilliant mind like he looks amazing on paper because he does the job right now he has a um a code shift name so when you read his name on paper you don't know what he is is it brian no,
1: no i'm just <laughs> I, I, ain't
0: gonna, I ain't gonna throw him out there i go to throw him out there but it's like you don't know let's just say his name's kevin No one knows what a Kevin is. Okay. And so he gets four interviews in and then he doesn't, he gets the call back and says, oh, well, we decided to go in another direction. Right. Or the idea, I know for me, I'm going to just bring it here personally, where as um, a very animated character, right? Like I realize I am animated, I am full of fun and I'm very jovial. Right. So you, you end up falling into that typecast Okay, where I am that on a regular basis, but if I have a a mood or a shift in my demeanor, then it's noticed. Right. And all of a sudden something is wrong. Or if I make a face, I have to be very mindful of my facial expressions in a meaning where I can see other individuals who may not have to do it. And so we never we don't want to get in a position of victimization. Right. That's not the purpose of this. But what the purpose of this is, is to acknowledge that this is real.
1: And identify yeah, things, yeah, you right?
0: have to be a, a cuz I think that's another thing too, like this constant hypersensitivity to fear of being typecast as, oh, I'm I'm now putting myself in the in a victim role because I'm acknowledging a truth mm-hmm. or I am pointing out a fact. And that's a very stressful space to be in on on a regular basis.
1: I found it's only been recently uh, as an adult that I've been able to feel comfortable talking about being black, like acknowledging my blackness in the workplace. Right. So when you're describing a situation and you might be feeling something or feeling a certain way about a, a situation because of that stress response mm-hmm. that you're having to being black, you know, mm-hmm. I brought it up on several occasions, not in a way like, Oh, things would be different if I were white type of conversation, mm-hmm. but more like, you know, usually for, um, for minorities, we we might react this way to this kind of conversation we're having, or that kind of joke that you made just mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of taboo in um, in other cultures. So maybe you should, you know, not do that or rephrase mm-hmm. the, the point you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, I felt a real strong response to not do that, um, because of responses I've received in the past. So I, th- I think, I don't know. From the people around me, it feels like there's more of an environment where people are trying to learn a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, we talked, you, you brought something about the face, right? You thought you, about the attitude, you know, people thinking yeah, that yeah. though when, you're, when your mood switches, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we do have a real problem with the media portrayal, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start there okay. and just circle back to, to work before we leave that area. But there there is a lot of stuff being put out constantly about who we are that we're not there to represent. So Mm. we talked about in the last episode with typecasting and retelling of stories and such. But when you look at media, when you look at music videos, when you look at some movies, and if you don't have a day-to-day interaction mm-hmm. with a minority or, or anybody of any culture, mm-hmm. you start to have your preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot of that out there. Like, oh, if her face turns like this, she has an attitude. If her hands start moving like that, she's probably going to hit me.
0: Right. You know, things right.
1: like that, like real kind of negative stuff that I feel like we also have to respond to as part of that BTS because we're fighting against these stories being told about us that are not true. How do you feel about that? Correct.
0: No, I think that um, that's something to to recognize, right? It's one of the reasons that um, I can't remember his name. He he just recently came out with the, the country album, but he's a, a black man doing country, right? I think that the reason that that became such a blowback phenomena, right, is because he crossed the stereotypical boundaries right of what is what is considered to be black music so when you think about those typecasts there's a handful of them you know there is the mad black woman there is the super black woman there is the professional buttoned up black person um, who is very calm and personable and um, jovial there is the disgruntled Black person, there is the lazy black person or shiftless <laughs> there is the right like I could like go down the line and I can list off the caricatures that have found them their ways um into the paradigm. Of what we are constantly either fighting against to retail or what we are hyper conscious of not wanting to either live into or to live into. Right. And giving ourselves permission to challenge those paradigms, to really deconstruct them 100 percent. Like our actions, our thoughts are really based off of the perception we think that other people have of us. And when we can let that go. When we can focus on the perception that we want to craft and really give ourselves that power back and that permission to craft that thing again and to take the risk to live into it on purpose, we can legitimately change our world. Now, we can't change what anyone else thinks.
1: But you're right, though. I mean, it goes back to owning. Right. What can you own? Own yourself. Right. Own your feelings, own your emotions, Own your experience, own your story.
0: My question for you is like, what do you notice are the ways either that you personally have dealt with stress in the past and maybe has changed over time or that you observe other people deal with stress? Because you mentioned something earlier, which was avoidance, right? Man, there's a lot.
1: Um, So we have avoidance, isolation, codependency. You have overeating.
0: That's a thing.
1: Overdrinking is a thing
0: Oh yes That is also a thing Might be my thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know We got binging That is That should fall into These categories
0: Yeah I mean That's a lot of
1: consumption Right there And we have other Distractions that numb The feelings that we think about So I mean, there's ones that I relate to and, and others I don't, but of all of these things, they're all avoidance really, right? We're working on healthy eating, uh, healthy living. Mm-hmm. We, you know, the, the world has offered us tons of information to live our quote unquote best lives. Right. Mm-hmm. But that stress kind of weighs us down. Um, and we find ways to avoid that with these many things. Uh, spending too is a big one, right?
0: Mm yeah <laughs> so
1: um I mean for me in, in my experiences, avoidance is a is a is a big deal, and i'm and I'm trying to work through that, and I think a lot of these now, I'm not going to say they're cured, but your very first step is mindfulness, right? It's about absolutely and acknowledgement, really feeling these feelings as they're happening. Being in that moment As much as possible Mm -hmm. I mean We're gonna fall off Right We're gonna be on that Third episode on Netflix And it's gonna hit you And be like Are you still watching And you have a choice at that point, you know, (laughs) Like yes, it snaps you out for that moment because it wants to say, hey, are you here right now? Present, watching this, because if you're not, you should probably get up. And I think we should live our life like that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a good point. uh, Getting in that mode where when you can have that own pop up inside your head, right in the middle of a fight with somebody, when you're, you know, on that third cup or some, uh, some savant blanc, (laughs) you know, like. You, you're about to yell at your kids, whatever the case is, um, that little pop up to come up in your head and say, hey, are you still here? Because mm-hmm. if you are, you know, you need to you're responding negatively to some stress and we need to dial it back a bit and and really take it moment by moment. The situations we run into sometimes where we don't even know that we're dealing with this trauma or responding to it. That and there were a lot of people. Who carry this this trauma from culture to culture? I mean, not culture to culture, but generation to generation, right?
0: That part. Well, okay, you know
1: when it. when I was bad, my mom whipped me, right? Uh, and I'm not saying my mom cause she didn't with me. I'm just saying like
0: people, my mom did. People would I don't say know that she talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> my mom did not whip me, um, but she she would withhold dessert that I really love. I love her peach cobbler.
0: Oh, she was on that mindset. But we
1: have these things that we carry on from generation to generation get whooped maybe with a belt so next generation maybe it's a spatula next generation after that maybe it's something else but we don't even stop to say hey why are we doing this you know it's because it just kind of carries down with us um just like in other in in other situations there's parents who teach their kids about financial success like at you at age eight, you know, and they've been doing that generation after generation. Mm -hmm. So there's a positive and kind of negative things that go on, but it's more just like, why are we doing this? Taking a second to figure that out. Right. And back to what you were just saying, like owning that and owning what you can own and seeing if it's time to switch, like be yourself. Right. I don't like parenting like this. I don't like reacting like this in my job. I don't feel good. So change it, you know, And, and you do that through just figuring out what you can own and trying to be comfortable with that.
0: I think that's so interesting just to, to consider <clears throat> the things that we um, unconsciously pass along or the things we unconsciously embody. I would definitely say that as parents, our children are like a representation of ourselves so if we see a behavior in them that we automatically want to snap off on or we want to change oh pick this up oh do that da, 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 da. nine times out of ten the thing that you see in your relationships whether it's your children your spouse or whoever that you want to change often are the things that you need to work on inside yourself
1: so That's for, like projection type thing, right? It,
0: exactly. Like I have found that a hundred percent to be true because we're magnets anyway, right? So we're going to attract To us or manifest in our lives what is going on on the inside of us because our internal reality creates our outer form. So when we're thinking about how we respond to the stressors or the circumstances in our lives, the other things that people do or the, the circumstances that are facts beyond our, our actual control. You know, I think it's very important when we understand where the deviation is and where the line is between what we can't control and what we can control because we try to control the things that we can't, which causes stress Mm -hmm. and we ignore and do not focus on the things that we can, which compound stress in your body or in your mental or whatever, because you feel helpless. But I think the whole point is when it comes to dealing with trauma and dealing with stressors and recognizing that when we can shift our focus from trying to uh, externally control circumstances Mm -hmm. or people or facts or the past, instead, allow it to be, allow people to simply be let them be who they are. Give them permission in your mind to just let them be right and trust that they'll be fine. <laughs> OK, and turn that focus inward to say, OK, well, what are the thought models that I currently have? What, what are the things that have like, implanted themselves in my mind that's creating me to feel this way? Because that I can control. You know, um, it really also goes back to what you said about what's passed down generation after generation, because one of the things I think it was either Bessel or Mastin. They pointed out that when you experience trauma, that creates a physiological reaction in your body. Right. And it actually creates neural pathways for how you process information. And so that can change how your DNA presents. It can literally change your genes, the way you react to change in your life. And therefore, that then is passed down. So not only are we passing down behaviors, but we're passing down genetics. Mm-hmm. We, we, we really we touched on so many things. And I think that it was important for us just to create space to do that, to create safe space, because if we can't talk about it at work where we are all the time, or if we can't always um, have the conversations on a regular basis um, out in in the world, I, I think that it's really important that we create the change that we want to see um, and have it at the GRIOS. So, you know, if this if there's anything that we said that resonated with you, I would really suggest, you know, make a comment, you know, shoot us an email and let us know what experiences you've had with BTS. Right. Um, because we're also going to come back and, and talk about how we self-heal, you know, how we can really take more control over the responses that we have to black traumatic stress.
1: I think we had some really good nuggets in there today with really applicable things. Like mm-hmm. we immediately, like go to work tomorrow and use this because yeah. it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it is very hard to deal with the stress, but identifying it is like, I think everyone's uh, first objective. Yeah. You know, if this has been stirring around inside of you and you're, you know, really starting to awaken and wonder why you're feeling certain ways, you know, keep digging and, and feel okay about it. Feel yeah. okay about your emotions feel okay about your kids emotions you know let's we talk about parenting we talk about telling our kids not to cry it's telling them to you know our, our little boys not to cry mm. you know and but this we have our responses and everybody's a little different so
0: give them permission yeah. to feel feel mm-hmm.
1: f- feel first talk about it later you mm-hmm. know and then and work on it
0: yeah i would really encourage us and everyone, a part of the collective and the tribe, to um, handle yourself with compassion and patience. You know, we are our own biggest critic. And if our best friend were to confide in us and tell us all of the things that they're journeying through, you would listen to them and you would give them an ear and you would give them great advice. And so I think that we need to be able to do that for ourselves. You know what I mean? And just deal with ourselves with with patience and compassion as we Um, open ourselves up to our stories and to seeking it and not to turn away from it. So I will definitely be making sure to share some of the emotion management and some of the thought management that has really helped me. um, And that we find as we continue to talk to our guests, because we deal with stress every single day. It's not going anywhere, right? Like, newsflash that's the human experience and that's a gift and it's a privilege and um we can make this experience be the most heavenly amazing thing on this earth when we are prepared to confront change and to move through change with courage and with with passion so let's live on purpose people hey Grios, we want to thank you so much for sharing space with us If you enjoyed this podcast or heard something you liked, pay it forward and pass it along to someone else. We're making more episodes that celebrate our stories, so support us. Go to your preferred podcast app, rate us, and subscribe.
1: You can also follow us on IG at The Grios Podcast or visit the website at thegrios.co to get resources from the show notes or even submit a comment or question on the episode.
0: Until next time, be inspired and be on purpose.
1: And remember to live in the now because nothing lasts forever.